My name is Ben Greenfield, and on this episode of the Ben Greenfield Life Podcast. TBI, the PTSD, the new stuff with uh, the NFL, the CTE. I 100% agree that all of it's 100% real, but I can't believe that that's the only reason that this is happening. So they get that tandem skydive, and then they get the uh, the trip around the world with the team and, and just learn more about what we're going through and see it with their own eyes. Really be a part of making this thing happen to make people better. When you're part of a team, you have one commonality, that goal that you're all trying to achieve, but you all are putting your side into it to be become part of the team, you always win. Faith, family, fitness, health, performance, nutrition, longevity, ancestral living, biohacking, and a whole lot more. Welcome to the show. Well, folks, it is... I think the top thing in my pantry, the top thing in my entire supplements arsenal, the item I'm most proud of having been a part of bringing to the world. And that is, drum roll please, and this might not surprise you if you've been listening to this podcast for a while, essential amino acids uh, via the extremely unique and well-balanced Keon Aminos. Uh, it, it is the Swiss Army knife of nutrition. Not only no fillers, no junk, rigorous quality testing tastes amazing. Our brand new watermelon flavor will knock your socks off. And a lot of people really like the new mango flavor as well. Then we have the cool lime and the berry. You can even try all four. But this stuff for muscle building, for recovery, for nourishing the gut, for keeping your appetite satiated in a fasting state, for enhancing sleep. And it does stack very well, by the way, with Keon Sleep. Uh, it's just, it's it's the bee's knees. It works for everything. Uh, it's kind of shocking. I have people text me all the time and they ask me if this stuff has like steroids or something illegal in it. It doesn't. It's just pure, clean, essential amino acids that we put in the perfect ratios at Keon. So if you want to get your hands on this stuff, just go to getkeon.com slash Ben Greenfield. That's getkion.com slash Ben Greenfield. All right, I got some great news for you. My friends over at Bioptimizers have put together a truly irresistible offer that's only good while the stock lasts. Here's the deal. You get a free bottle of their best-selling enzyme supplement called Masszymes. You get a free copy of their book, From Sick to Superhuman, free copy of the Ultimate Carnivore Cookbook, and a free copy of their Plant-Based Superfoods Delights book. That's $81 worth of value, but they shoot it over to you for free. You just fill out a short form, cover a very small shipping fee, and it's a very rare deal because Masszymes is not only this powerful best-in-class enzyme supplement that improves digestion, reduces gas and bloating, and provides relief from, from constipation, but this stuff also just flies off the shelves, and so uh, you can get it while the getting's good. Uh, your body produces fewer enzymes as you age. It becomes harder to quickly digest and assimilate food. Taking Masszymes helps to fill in those gaps. You might notice after you start taking it, if you're anything like me, you don't feel as bloated after meals. Your belly feels flatter. If you have leaky gut, it can reduce gut irritation and help you to absorb more nutrients. And like I mentioned, you can get a free bundle offer with the bottle of Masszymes to try for yourself. Pop it right before you eat or if you forget, right after. Plus those three free eBooks. It's all available while stock lasts only. So if you want to take advantage of that, go to masszymes.com slash benfree. Mass, M-A-S-S, Zymes, Z-Y-M-E-S, dot com slash Ben Free. And in case you're wondering, there's no strings attached, no automatic subscriptions or renewals, nothing to cancel. Just go to masszymes.com slash Ben Free. Well, 
Well, folks, uh, a couple of months ago, I got contacted by a guy named Ryan, Ryan Birdman Parrot. Uh, and he, uh, in a nutshell, informed me that his sniper partner in the SEAL teams uh, took his life three years ago. And a big, big part of that was probably due to some issues related to the way that we treat everything from from TBI to concussion to to trauma to some of the other issues in the military and first responder community. Uh, And uh, there are particular concerns around health, nutrition, sleep, etc. And Ryan uh, really expressed a passion for wanting to not only teach you know military members and first responders what they really don't get taught especially when it comes to the realms of optimizing human performance but also he really wanted to create a way to restart the engine for the warfighter or the career firefighter or the law enforcement personnel to be able to come out of their careers a lot more unfractured so to speak so ryan went on to fill me in about this thing called a human performance project uh, that involves a team of operators basically going to seven continents in seven days, doing seven different base or skydive jumps, seven marathons, seven swims. It looked pretty epic. It looked kind of right up the alley of the type of stuff that I like to be involved with or at least help out with. So I decided to get Ryan on the show for a couple of reasons. First of all, so that he could fill you in on this human performance project, but also he wanted to kind of pick my brain about some of the, the pointy edge, so to speak, of nutrition and training and optimizing one's performance to be able to prepare for something like this. So this should be a pretty fun discussion. We just decided we'd record the whole thing and I will put all of the links to everything that Ryan and I talk about if you go to bengreenfieldlife.com slash human performance project. If you want to support what he's doing, if you want to ask questions, if you have comments, feedback, etc., it's at bengreenfieldlife.com slash human performance project. So Ryan, welcome to the show, man. Ben, I can't thank you enough for having me. It's uh, amazing how the interwebs work when you reach out <laughs> to somebody and they truly care. So it's great. I'm grateful to be here. Yeah, I'm still trying to figure out how the interwebs work myself, but I'm I'm slowly slowly learning. Now you've got you've got a pretty extensive resume. Like in addition to filling us in on why your nickname is Birdman, I'd love to hear kind of how you came to do what you do. Cause I know you're a former Navy SEAL, but also an action sports athlete, author, public speaker. Uh, you've, you've founded a couple of nonprofits. So fill me on on what brought you to your, to your journey thus far. And also do tell how you got the nickname Birdman. Absolutely. The gut, I mean, the gut check and the reality of how everything brought me here is God. God's the simplest answer. You know, I, I didn't always say that, but I always believed it. Now I know truly in my heart that the path that I'm on is just a creation of God and that I'm just supposed to follow this path. But I continually check back to ask my, myself, am I on the right path or am I doing what you intend me to do? The long story is I grew up in Detroit, Michigan, and I was playing pretty competitive hockey. I was failing every subject in school and I was going absolutely nowhere in life. And it's like a story that most people have when they try to do something great, right? You're going coming from something or nothing and you're moving into something greater than yourself. And it was a teacher of mine in Vietnam who was a Marine. He's talking about Marine Corps every day. I was so fired up. One particular day he comes in and he says, there's only one thing better than Marine Corps. That's the U.S. Navy SEALs. We're a bunch of kids. We don't know anything. So, of course, I was listening. I'm like, what are the Navy SEALs? And he made it sound like Navy SEALs live on the moon and they breathe water and all this epic stuff that we do do for those of you who want to join. So then I was like, okay, I'm doing this. From that point, I was just talking the talk. 
I wasn't walking the walk, I wasn't trained to do anything, I was just reading material. And then 9-11 happened. And I remember seeing it, on, I remember, you know, everybody in the country, everybody in the world saw this on the TV and it shattered us inside. And it also brought us closer together. And it's been such a long time since our country has truly felt that togetherness, you know? So that for me was the reckoning point to say, get up, go do something greater than yourself, go fast. And so I left class right then and there. 9-11 went to enlist, was too young, had to wait a few months, but I enlisted and the hopes were to become a SEAL. I was very, very blessed. We're right after I graduating high school, training at the YMCA every day, doing everything wrong from, you know, eating to actually trying to train with big dudes that were stronger than me and proper, improper form, all that jazz. But I ended up getting selected to go to SEAL training and started out with class 245 in 2003. And I was accepted. I graduated 2004. And I initially joined SEAL Team 7, where my eight-year career of deploying to combat in Iraq, my time all was spent in Iraq, Philippines, and uh, Lebanon, was wonderful. I mean, some of the greatest humans in the world, some of the most motivated athlete-slash-warriors in the world, um, who all have a common goal. And that's something so unique, right? Is that when you're part of a team and you have one commonality, that goal, that you're all trying to achieve, but you all are putting your side into it to become part of the team, you always win. That was the beauty of being a SEAL was the people that I was surrounded with, not just so much the job. So I did eight years and I thought that was my time. I, I kind of got burned out, you know, just all I did was deploy. And I was like, you know, for me, I'm good. You know, I want to do something else now. And I got an offer to come to Dallas, Texas, moved here, was supposed to take a job in corporate America. That would have never worked out for me because I'm not a corporate guy. You can't see me, but full sleeve tattoos. I love wearing board shorts, tank tops, flip flops, rocking it. And uh, corporate America just wouldn't be my thing. Never worked out. So I'm grateful. Initially met a a burn survivor named Sam Brown, who is a beautiful human being, uh, severely burned as an army ranger. And I asked him what they were doing for him today. I'd never seen tried an issue like that. I've been burned myself, been blown up in Iraq in 2005. Um, and that's actually how I got my nickname Birdman is I was, we were driving down route Michigan. We hit an IED or an improvised explosive device and it shot me out of the turret of our Hummer into the sky. So from that point, I went Birdman. That so was, that's they what they called, called you, Birdman. Birdman. Oh my gosh! Yeah. So so you you literally like your vehicle was hit by an IED and the detonation literally was, like threw you from the Humvee. Yeah, it was the scariest thing I have ever felt in my life. It was so powerful. And I will tell you what, I rode a professional bull a few years back for a charity event, and it made that bull feel like I was just sitting in a chair. Those IEDs are unreal, and we're very fortunate that it didn't blow up to its full debt net, uh, net worth or debt uh, worth. So essentially, if it would have worked the way it was supposed to and designed to be, we would have been dead. Wow. So we're very blessed. Do you, do you remember, by the way, like, like, are you, are you lucid for that whole event when it detonated and when you, th when you flew through the air, like, do you remember everything or is it all just kind of foggy? There was one split second when it initially went off where everything just stopped for a second everything. And then I remember right after that initial explosion and I kind of faded out for a second, came right back in. The Hummer lifted up in the front, it landed back down in the dirt, but it had no front end anymore. So then it slammed into the dirt and all this dirt started shooting up. There was a fireball that came blowing through the cockpit, incinerating everybody inside. Me, I took the path of least resistance with that overpressure and was shot straight out of the turret onto the ground. Now we make the joke that I went like two, 3000 feet just for fun. But I was just blown up on top of the turret to where I would fall off of it and land on the ground and completely just, I was a mess. Wow. 
Wow, that's crazy. So, so you you finished all that, and you basically after what'd you say eight years as a U.S. Navy SEAL, three combat tours. Is that when you kind of hung up the hat and moved on? Yeah, absolutely. That's that for me was enough, you know. And I and I didn't get out having any issues. That was the thing, or at least I didn't think I did. You know, I was actually pretty excited. I didn't have terrible war wounds or any of that stuff, and I had my head on a swivel. It's moving pretty good. Um, and I, I knew that I had some good life to live afterwards. So I, I came out pretty help, pretty good. So I thought, and that's when I told you I met Sam Brown. So I started that charity sons of the flag for burn care, because I realized that of all the injuries that you can sustain being in the military and the fire service, that burns is just one of those underprivileged organizations that just doesn't get the care it needs. You know, it's one of those things that falls into a different department within the medical field. It might fall into cranial facial and reconstructive surgery department which gets big funding for bigger plays as opposed to specific just general burn care. Uh, it wasn't nationally accredited uh, curriculum too. So if you're a burn surgeon, you could be a general or plastic surgeon who's never done any time in burn care and could be operating on burns. Well, that's unacceptable, but it's not nationally accredited. Um, and so we started this organization to do two things. One, really to focus on hiring those doctors and get them through fellowships. So we scholarship these doctors to go through a fellowship, burn fellowship program, uh, so that they can become burn reconstructive surgeons so that our patients are truly getting worked on by people who understand the injury as a whole. And then the other side is to take care of the patient and their family. So how do we do that? Real deal surgery. We're going to send you to the elites, the ones that not only we create, but the ones that are really running the show in this game and sending them to them for one-on-one -on -one consultations so that they can identify their complete issues and then come in all at once together and, and fix them and get them onto a quality of life. So that's what Sons of the Flag does. You named it Sons of the Flag from a poem written in World War One. Our charity has been 10 years. It hit the 10-year mark this year, so we're super excited. I remember Ross Perot Sr. telling me when I first met him, and I told him about starting Sons of the Flag. He said, oh, cool. How long you been around? I said, oh, we just started, sir. He's like, where are you going to be at in five years? And I have no idea, sir. And he goes, well, when you figure that out, you come and talk to me, and we'll have, we'll have a chat. So grateful to say that uh, he was a supporter of ours before he passed, and you know, it's just one of those wonderful things where so many people stepped up to the plate around the country to help Sons of the Flag evolve because the fire service needs our help more than ever. They're at the highest level to get burned. Our military has slowed down since we're not in combat as much anymore, but still needs it. When we have these huge issues like war, when we have firefighters daily fighting, those are the only times when things really evolve. We need to evolve things at that speed when there are no problems happening. So that's why we put these charities in place, right? So we're grateful for the 10 years and we're going to continue to rock it. And Sons of the Flag will always stay within burn care. That'll be always for burns. So if you're listening and you have a burn, you know, somebody who has a burn or need any help, go to sonsoftheflag.org. Sonsoftheflag.org. I'll, I'll link to that too in the show notes. Uh, so I, I want to pivot now after you telling me your, your, your whole story. And by the way, I, I should I should briefly rabbit hole here. I have a great deal of respect, especially for, you know, not only SEAL operatives, but, but anybody who's kind of on the, on the pointy edge of, of performance in the armed forces and beyond, because I actually, I don't know if you've ever heard of uh, uh, former Navy SEAL commander, Mark Devine's gig that he does down in California called Kokoro. I know Mark. Yeah. Okay. So he has this thing called Kokoro. And one year I was crazy enough to sign up for it. And, you know, I got his 
whatever it was, some something like 12 weeks. It was more than that, 36 weeks maybe to to seal fit, he called it. And, it, you know, I, I followed that thing to the T, just trained my eyeballs out till I was just, you know, gosh, like lactic acid coming out my ears and and uh, followed to the T, showed up and went through about, it was about six days because I did like the academy. And then there was a few days after of just like, you know, no sleep training all day, obviously nothing compared to the hell week that you went through, Ryan. But I just got like a tiny, tiny taste, you know, there were no guns, no boats, but definitely a lot of evolutions. And um, it was probably one of the hardest things I did. Like I, I remember when it all ended, I, I literally just like collapsed on one of my friend's couches down in Encinitas, California and woke up like 18 hours later. But it was, uh, it was character building. That's for sure. I'm, I'm, I've, I've toyed around with the idea of maybe sending my sons back down there when they're 18 to, to, you know, put a little hair on their chest. But I have a lot of respect for what you guys do, not, not only physically, but also mentally and emotionally. Cause that thing put me through the ringer, probably one of the hardest things I've done. Um, but, but I wanted to ask you, uh, now we can get into the sexy stuff, this human performance project. Cause you, you sent me like a deck on it. You sent me a PDF and it, it looks sick. You guys are going all over the world, skydiving, running, swimming, fill me in on what this is and, and why you put it together. First, I want to say, you know, Mark divine is a legend and yes, his stuff is, yes, he is. He's great. He's just, he's such a great human and he's, he's got it together. So yes, his program's amazing. I'm, just, I'm glad to hear because every time I hear somebody, do you know, to Mark divine, I'm like, yes, I do. And I have not been through his program, but I know all about it. So yeah, great person, great person, great team guy. The Human Performance Project. After my call, I got a call on January 2nd, 2019 that my sniper partner, David R. Metcalf, took his life. This is not the first time that I've lost a teammate to suicide, but I can't take it anymore. And this one was a fatal blow to my heart because this, this guy was my, he was my right hand. He was my my sniper partner, he was, we were together on everything. And he was also our true North in the platoon. I get emotional talking about it because you know, we're not blood brothers, but I love him as much as a brother. And that's what the military creates. And he was the true North. He had it together. He was always doing correct exercise. He was always preparing his meals and making sure he had the nutrition and the vitamins, supplementation every single day. He was getting his sleep. He wasn't going out and getting crazy drunk all the time. He wasn't doing any of that. He was doing the good stuff. He was on his 20-year mark, and I got the call from another teammate, and it just shattered me. And instead of the thing that I would normally revert, revert to, which would be depression, sadness, the emotions that fill in when you hear something like this, it was more of a, a mission to say, all right, I'm done. I am done with this. It's time to step up and do something. And so this program is completely for David. It's leaving, so he basically... He's basically saying to me and all of us that are on this team, help me figure out what we need to help the troops with from here on in because stuff is just too hard. And so I reached out to a few people that I knew and I said, here's a thesis for you. We keep focusing on mental health, the TBI, the traumatic brain injury, the PTSD, post-traumatic stress, whatever we were focused on, uh, the new stuff with uh, the NFL, the CTE. I 100% agree that all of it's 100% real. I've dealt with some of it. But I can't believe that that's the only reason that this is happening. And so I wanted to take a step deeper, started to think about it for my own edification. Is this because of brain or is this more? What do I know? I know that when you get into the military, there's no human performance training whatsoever. There's not a day when I served that I ever, ever learned anything about human performance, how to do things right. I never learned correct exercise in my entire life, never learned how to eat clean. 
you're not fed healthy in the military. You are fed, but you're not, and you're fed well, but you're not fed clean well. Supplementation is all about what's the fad, right? What's, who's taking what? So if my buddies are taking that, well, I'm gonna take that too, because I wanna be part of the team and I don't wanna do the research. And so I'm taking stuff that's putting a bunch of fillers in my system instead of the actual clean stuff. Kind of crazy, by the way, if I get interject like that, you know, it, it, it's the same reason that I was shocked when, you know, as a triathlete, when I was racing with Team Timex, we would often have training camps at some professional athletic facilities, including like some NFL stadiums, for example. And you'd walk into a locker room and just be a bunch of like endocrine disrupting chemicals and, and you know, a bunch of crap in the in the bathrooms. And, you know, you think, gosh, they, they want to optimize these players' testosterone levels and endocrine system. And yet there's a bunch of like estrogen, you know, mam boob generating chemicals here in the locker room. And then, you know, another example was I was, uh, uh, you know, I was working with, um, a professional basketball team and same thing. You walk into their gym and yeah, they've got weight training equipment, but no consideration of air, light, water, electricity, you know, blood tests and biomarkers on the athletes to test their specific nutrition parameters. Like it seems like there's just especially in professional sports in the military, it's almost like a good old boys network where it's still kind of like the old school, uh, you know, just like, you know, eat crap and train hard type of model. That is exactly it. You destroy yourself because of the demand of the job. You're willing to do anything to sacrifice because you got to keep up to the level of, you know, execution and readiness. Yet at the end of the day, you're not looking out for yourself and then you falter. So my thesis was instead of focusing on the brain for this one, let's look at the physiology. Let's look at the entire body, how the systems work, why do we why do we need these systems, what do they do for us, what do they need to thrive, and then let's take that and educate people. And so I flipped it to a doctor friend of mine at Harvard, and I said, hey, what are your thoughts on this thesis here? And he goes, you should go to med school. I was like, okay, I'm not doing that. Cool. I told you about my high school and how my curriculars were awesome. Not doing that. So well, what do you think here? And he says, dude, I think you're onto something. And the simplest thing is we're not creating something new here and we're not trying to tell anybody we're creating something new we're going to expose the true values of what your body needs to thrive in life in a simplified version a manual and so the idea for us is we train all year long 2022 we are training our team of athletes or test subjects and our support team are training and identifying markers we have a coach in multiple different disciplines we're looking at different biomarkers we're taking supplementation we're sponsored by thorn we're sponsored by Bubs Collagen Protein. I mean, we are rocking and rolling with some good stuff. And we're testing different theories to ensure that our bodies are getting up to an ultimate position of human performance to attack this, what we call deployment section, where we will travel the world and we are going to do seven skydives, seven, base, or seven marathons, seven plunges in the water on seven continents in seven days. So essentially it's doing a jump, full marathon, and then a plunge back to back for seven days on all seven continents. And that's considered our breakdown phase, which would mimic your time in service or your time as a professional athlete and the hard ache that you put on it. So the breakdown phase, we call it. And then from the breakdown phase, once we get completed with that, we move into the reboot phase. All the while taking all of the data and putting it into this simplified manual that we're going to call right now as the Metcalf manual which will be a uh, derivative of, can we give this to a 14 year old boy or girl who is getting into their life and wants to understand how to live with longevity in mind, all the way up to the person who's got 20 years of heartache on their body that wants to recover their trauma, how do they reboot their systems? Simplifying it, 
showing actual videos inside the manual, um, making this simplified though so people jump in because the biggest thing for me is where do you start? Everybody gives me this credit for being a SEAL and I don't quite get it because they look at me as this ultimate athlete and that and I'm like, I don't know anything. So what's so special about this project to me and what's so special about being on your podcast, brother, is that you have SMEs, subject matter experts all the time. You are a subject matter expert yourself. I am the least qualified to be on this podcast, but I am the end user of the manual that we are creating. So that's what's very exciting for me. Yeah, and I think it's so cool, this idea of putting together a human performance manual, especially for, for operators and for folks who, who don't get this type of education. Now, now a couple a couple of like logistical questions. Are you guys actually going to do the seven continents all in the span of a week, or, it, or are the seven days kind of split up with days in between? No, no. <laughs> yeah, that's the logistical nightmare we're facing right now. But yes, yeah, seven days straight, all seven continents in seven days. The second we jump... That kicks off the seven days to get all seven continents completed. Okay, so so you jump. It's a base or a skydive jump, and then you're doing twenty six point two miles. Uh, is that is that like rucking, running, hiking, or, or how do you guys plan to tackle the marathon component? Like, well, so here's an interesting. I, my vision in theory was like an ultra ultra marathon, right? So kind of like a a run walk, kind of kind of jog in between, fart like in it almost as well. But we just were so blessed, you know. Uh, there's a r- amazing coach. Uh, kind of uh, wrote a book called Finding an Ultra, Chris Hoth. Oh, yeah. So he's actually coaching us right now. Okay, fantastic. Yeah, he's, he's a good guy to have in your back pocket. Now, what? Now he's also, I, th- I think he has uh, history in swimming, but how far are you guys going to be swimming? We're just doing a plunge. The plunge was just to add, because the sea, air, and land is seal. And I just wanted to throw that in to really tie it all together. We don't have time to do a ton of swimming because we have to get out of that plane and get to the next location. So it's just a plunge. Plus, it's a nice way to actually wash our bodies off after, you know, the nonsense of running 26.2. So it's really interesting. And, you know, we have a uh, collaborative effort of operators. You know, we have SEALs. We have uh, ex-Army special operators at the highest level that are going to be doing this. And we have ages from 35 to 50. So we're going to get a really nice data dump of what's going on. Plus, we have some ultramarathon runners that are going with us as well to be pacers. So we pretty much got everything covered. So, so how many people total are going to be are going to be gallivanting across the globe for this thing? It's an interesting way we put this together. So we have roughly thirty-two people on the team that will be going, and that's our seven test subject athletes, and then we have the support staff with that. That is in co- that's about thirty-two people, and then we sold seats on the plane, or are still continuing to sell seats on the plane um, to VIPs who want to go on this trip, join the team with us. You, uh, if you want to buy a seat on the plane, you are more than welcome to. <laughs> so people are listening. They can actually join in on this thing? Absolutely join. We still have a few seats available. You can just go to AmericanExtreme.com and email us, and we can talk to you. I'll call you personally, and we'll talk about it. But yes, 65 to 70 people max that we will be taking around the globe. And when's it kick off? As of right now, February 15th, everybody meets in Dallas. February 15th, 2023. We meet in Dallas to get checks, med checks, make sure everybody's 100% good, no COVID, no nothing, have a little dinner, good night's sleep, and then wake up in the morning, say some prayers, and then we jump on the plane and we head to our first location to get prepped for Antarctica. Okay, so you're doing Antarctica, and where else are you going to be over the seven days? As of today, the locations would go from Antarctica to Perth, Australia, to Dubai, to Cairo, Egypt, up to London, England down to Cartagena, Colombia, and then finishing off at the UDT SEAL Museum in Fort Pierce, Florida. Wow. What, what aircraft are you using to get around? 
757 uh, Boeing jet. Oh, wow. So right now we're, we've been blessed to get a really cool airplane and it's got everything we need for the 70 people. It's got a full kitchen and galley. Beds reclined to three quarter, if not full, so we can actually make everybody sleep. So we are really going to focus on, as much as this is a breakdown phase, it's also about you can't just completely destroy yourself. That's not that's not worth it. And at this point, we got to learn some things, but we can't just crush ourselves to where we can't finish. So we're making sure that we have the uh, capability to truly sleep when we need to sleep. Yeah, yeah. And and so the for the skydiving, but let's let's say somebody's listening in and they want to join you guys. Do they have to have skydiving experience, or you guys jump in tandem, or how's that work? This is the beauty is the people who join the team, they'll be given a task, but they will not be running the marathons. They will not be doing the jumps. Um, what they'll be doing is an excursion on each continent. So they get to see seven continents in seven days and be part of our team and help support this mission. We are giving them the option to do a, sky, a tandem skydive into Antarctica, which is a very, very special and very unique thing. Just a small percentage of the world has ever done one in Antarctica. So that's a very elite thing to do and uh, pretty hard to put together. So they get that tandem skydive, and then they get the uh, the trip around the world with the team and get to hang out with everybody on the plane and just learn more about what we're going through and see with their own eyes, be a part of the documentary, be a part of the manual, really be a part of making this thing happen to make people better. Yeah, it actually sounds pretty sweet. You're, you're tempting me. I'm, I'm, I'm tempted to join in myself, although I have zero skydiving experience. I, I have always been interested in jumping out of a plane, so maybe... Maybe we'll, we'll have to talk later, see if we can make it happen. I'd rather you run, ride, hike, or swim. You understand what it means to push harder, to reach farther, to go the extra mile. That relentless drive might run in your blood. That's why Inside Tracker provides you with the personalized plan to build endurance, to boost energy, and to optimize your health for the long haul. So it's created by fantastic scientists in aging and genetics and biometrics. They analyze your blood, your DNA, your fitness tracking data, stuff that would have cost you tens of thousands of dollars from some fancy longevity institute a decade ago. You now get in the comfort of your own home, along with an action plan from Inside Tracker with personalized guidance on how to exercise, how to eat, and how to supplement based on your specific blood test results. You can even connect it with your Fitbit or your Garmin and get real-time recovery pro tips based on your blood results after you finish your workout. It's like having your own personal trainer, nutritionist, and blood analyzer in your pocket. You get 20% off the entire Inside Tracker store with all their offerings at insidetracker.com slash Ben. That's insidetracker.com slash Ben. Well, here's something interesting. Scientists have discovered that when people lose weight, their blood suddenly shows the presence of pesticides that haven't been used in 40 years. That's because your body stores toxins and fat cells, and fat cells are kind of like a dry sponge in this way. The more fat cells in your body, the more likely you are to store toxins. That's why detoxing and weight loss go hand in hand. Now, Organifi Green Juice is this delicious superfood blend with superfoods that help your body detox. So it helps for anybody on a weight loss plan. I'm not personally on a weight loss plan, but I've been putting a scoop of this stuff in my daily icy cold glass of water for lunch. I put a little pinch of sea salt in there too. It tastes absolutely delicious. It comes in this mint flavor. They have a new crisp apple flavor, which is my favorite. It's 100% USDA certified organic, non-GMO certified, and supports your body's natural detox processes to help you reach a healthy weight a lot easier. So if you want to try it today, go to Organifi.com slash Ben. That's Organifi with an I.com slash Ben, and that will get you 20% off. Yeah, it's no secret that our metabolism is under attack. A staggering 88% of Americans are metabolically unhealthy. Sugar is spiking, our insulin, caffeine is overstimulating us, and our quality of life is declining due to obesity and chronic disease. we got to change the way we power our bodies, and now there's a clean fuel that does just that. It's called Ketone IQ. 
made by the folks at HVMN, which stands for Health Via Modern Nutrition, should you have ever wondered what HVMN stands for. They make this stuff called Ketone IQ. It's ketones, a nutritional, primitive, and highly efficient superfuel for your brain and body. Ketones have been scientifically proven to support mental clarity, athletic performance, and metabolic health. They're 28% more efficient at generating energy than sugar alone, meaning you can do more with less. I've been a fan of ketones for a long time, and HVMN is a pioneer in drinkable ketone technology. They changed a game with Ketone 1.0, one of the first commercially available ketone esters. Their products are trusted by some of the world's top athletes and military service members who break world records and push the limits of human performance by using the magic of ketosis without the insulin spikes, without the caffeine jitters, without the mid-afternoon energy crashes. Take a shot of Ketone IQ. Gosh, you can skip lunch, you can skip breakfast. That's a cool thing. This stuff just crushes your appetite. You're not hungry at all when you take it. But you exercise and you can perform like crazy. So you can get 10% off anything, anything from Ketone IQ. You go to HVMN. HVMN.me slash BenG. HVMN.me slash BenG. Code BenG will get you 10% off any purchase of Ketone IQ. That's an exclusive offer for my podcast listeners. What I want to do next is talk a little bit about where I can help you guys out. Like what kind of questions you have for me? Because when you first reached out to me, it sounded like you did have some. And I'm, I'm curious uh, what, what kind of stuff I can fill in for you as far as, as gaps in information when it comes to you know, physical training or diet or sleep or supplementation or, or anything else. This is the greatest. Yeah, this is my favorite part. So I'll, I'll kick it off with uh, one of my teammates on this project, Alex. He's one of my mentors as well. His question right out of the gate was, what are the first three things you recommend someone do once they realize that they have taken, uh, they have to take control of their health and fitness and they're clueless? It's a very broad question because obviously it's going to be different for each person, right? Some people are going to have a history of already knowing what they need to know about nutrition. Others will know nothing about nutrition, but, but know about, you know, physical aspects of performance, like how to lift in the gym, et cetera. I would say that because there is so much information out there about how to move, you know, lift, run, sprint, et cetera, uh, and then how to how to eat, right? You flip open the average men's health or women's health magazine, you get a lot of that information. I think that the things that move the dial when it comes to stuff that, that might fly under the radar, gosh, you're going to limit me to three. Um I, I think the biggest ones are paying attention to a uh, the concept of the human body being a battery. So making sure you're, you're staying consistently charged from an electrical standpoint, meaning the the electrochemical gradient across every cell is necessary to be precisely controlled for optimizing performance, sleep, energy, etc. And so that would mean including ample amounts of earthing, grounding, being outdoors, barefoot, touching rocks, touching trees, being in the ocean, being in sand, and basically charging up the battery. We live in boxes a lot, largely disconnected from the planet and largely connected to deleterious electrical signals. And that kind of drains the battery. So number one would be some type of earthing and grounding component. That would even consider, you know, that that would include the use of like, you know, pulsed electromagnetic field therapy, grounding mats, earthing mats, just all the stuff to keep you connected to the planet. People often kind of don't pay attention to that variable. Another big, big part of the electrical component would be what's called photobiomodulation, meaning getting exposed to as much sunlight, infrared light, natural light as possible, especially during the day. So that'd be number one. I'd say number two would be thermoregulation, 
meaning uh, making sure you go out of your way every day or at least multiple times a week to undergo stressors of heat, you know, such as sauna or exercise in hot temperature with extra clothing on or anything that causes the body to have a requirement to produce more heat shock proteins for stress resilience. And the same would be said for cold, like exposing the body to the rigors of cold thermogenesis on a regular basis for everything from uh, vagus nerve tone to increased fat loss and glucose stabilization to the same type of stress resilience you get from heat. So that would be another one. Uh, and then I would say the last one would be even though a lot of people will start to, when they decide to go down the path of getting healthier, eat healthy, they often don't pay attention to two other components related to the body's electricity. And that would be water and minerals, like good, clean, pure water, paying attention to the filtration of the water, the source of the water. It's such a huge variable that a lot of people don't pay attention to. And then full spectrum minerals, electrolytes, really good salts used throughout the day. That could be a game changer for a lot of people. So I would say, you know, some type of grounding, earthing, electrical component, some type of light component, some type of heat and cold stressor component, and then uh, paying attention to the to the water and the minerals. And so that would be the, the, the one thing I'd pay attention to. That's all related to the body's electricity or the body's mitochondria. Uh, the other two I would pay attention to would be, first of all, uh, the sleep component and second of all, the stress component. For the sleep component, that would mean really educating yourself on sleep hygiene, sleep cold, sleep dark, sleep silent, you know, everything from blue light blockers at night to blackout curtains whenever possible to getting the room as cold as possible. And if you can't, you know, lukewarm shower before bed or avoiding a heavy meal or heavy exercise session before bed just to amp up sleep, keeping the room quiet, not working in bed and basically prioritizing sleep and educating yourself on sleep hygiene. And then for the last component stress, I think the very best thing to do would be to begin to monitor what's called your heart rate variability, which is, I think, one of the best indicators of where the body's at from a stress load standpoint and where the body's at in terms of what it can handle. And then as you're measuring HRV, I would say the one thing that goes hand in hand with that as the lowest hanging fruit for managing stress would be a robust breathwork practice, like using using an app like, like Othership. Uh, there's another good new one called Hanu Health. But basically anything that teaches you how to do everything from box breathing, you know, which when I did Mark Devine's thing down in, down in, uh, down at Kokoro, he's super big on box breathing, but not just box breathing. Also things like Wim Hof breathing, resilience-based breathing, breath holds, CO2 tables, O2 tables, similar to what like a free diver would do for apnea, but basically big, big attention paid to using the breath to control the physiology and to control the stress. So in a nutshell, it would be if you're already moving and eating healthy, pay attention to the body's electrical components, pay attention to sleep and sleep hygiene, and then pay attention to stress, HRV, and breath work. And I think those would be the biggest three. I can't wait for this to come out so I can listen to it 50 times over <laughs> and get that again. That was awesome. Well, let's, let's, let's dial it down then so I can kind of ask my question. So let's just put me in the context of being the end user, right? So I serve eight years in the military. I go from being in high school, and that's the joke I make to every corporation I talk to is my resume is awesome, and I'll submit it to you. It says, Walgreens photo printer, U.S. Navy <laughs> SEAL sniper. I get into the military. I'm a hardcore believer in what I'm doing, okay? So I'm committed to the team. I don't want a girlfriend. I don't want to get married. I don't want kids. I, this is my life. This is my true life. I wanted to stay focused on my job. And I was young and so that I was always there for the team. And so we would train very hard. Obviously, 
you're damaging yourself. You're running up and down undulating terrain in the hottest temperatures, the coldest temperatures. You're underwater at the coldest temperatures, but not doing it in a health and performance manner. You're doing it more in a how do I survive manner. You're doing this completely around the clock. You're upsetting entire uh, every part of your system. You're not eating healthy. Um, you get exercise when you are back at home. When you're not back at home, you don't have exercise. We call it body by workup. So whatever training we're doing for the day, that's considered your workout. Uh, but it's not really physical PT. It's just what we're doing. You're eating meals and they're giving you a ton of food, but it's not necessarily the food that you need. We don't know anything about supplementation. So I was taking everything from no explode to synthesis six and not putting the companies down that I took the proteins or the products from, but I was taking what I was told to take creatines, all this stuff, getting back knee, getting acne, getting bigger, getting bloated. I'm doing this around the clock. Then when we come home, it's work hard, play hard. So then we go out at night, we party, we drink beer, lots of beer, lots of liquor. I do that. You know, mm -hmm. I, that's what I used to do. Yeah, I don't drink re anymore. Re refilling the glycogen levels, we call that. <laughs> Perfect. So all this wash, rinse, and repeat day to day to day to day. And it becomes this ritual and this rhythm that you get into as an operator. So I do this for eight years. I get out and then my body and everything starts to truly fall apart. Let's play that out. I... When I get out, I look at my feet. I have toe fungus or toenail fungus on every toe, toenail. Move it up the chain. My knees are shot, you know, from all the rucking and undulating terrain. Got hip issues, got back issues. Um, and then, you know, it goes into my health. I just haven't been training. I don't want to train, so I'm feeling lethargic, no energy. And then it goes into the mental side of the house where now I'm having mood swings. I'm having depression, anxiety. And that just takes me deeper to where I don't want to den do anything. So then I turned to the bottle, which I did. And I didn't do anything to disrupt anybody or anything. I don't have a heroic story of how I came out of the dark. I drank hard for a while, just was basically killing myself slowly, uh, but not attempting to, just drinking because I don't want to think about anything. And then I finally said, okay, I needed to get squared away. So from that point, when I'm that guy and I'm not the only guy who goes through this same scenario, I feel the majority of the guys may be similar. What is the first thing that we do? Well, it's it's kind of funny because the the description that you give me is very similar to like when somebody comes to me for for coaching and they have been living a somewhat crappy lifestyle, kind of sort of prioritizing health here and there, but they just basically need to start from scratch and press the reboot button. So, typically in a scenario like that, uh if I'm able to get blood tests and biomarker tests on somebody, I'll do it. And and the gold standard tests I try to run would be like a really good blood performance panel. Uh, like Wellness FX has a good one called the Longevity Panel. Uh, Inside Tracker is a great service, but basically full blood panel, full micronutrient panel. I think the best one out there is called a NutriVal. Full stool panel, right, to look at parasites, yeast, fungus, stuff going on in the gut. Uh, there's one by Genova Diagnostics. It's a three-day stool panel where you, you collect your poop and for, for three days and, and eventually ship it off after much of the chagrin of your, your spouse or significant other. It's been sitting in the refrigerator for the past few days in a, in a prepaid FedEx box. Uh, and then you've got a, you've got a, a urinary hormone analysis because you get a lot better data for hormones from urine than you do from, uh, from, from blood. 
And then uh, typically I'll run some type of food allergy panel. It's a company called Cyrex that does a really, really good job with, with food allergy panels. And then uh, a genetic test to see what type of uphill battle somebody might be fighting from a genetic standpoint. I think one of the better tests out there for this one's called Stratagene. Now, obviously, some people aren't going to run all those tests. Some people aren't going to run any of those tests. But if I'm able to start with self-quantification, it gives you a really, really good baseline to say, okay, based on the blood, the urine, the stool, the food allergy, the genes, and the micronutrients, here is the diet that this person should be eating. Because as you know, Ryan, you know, based on biochemical individuality that you know one one diet does not fit for all of humankind but you can customize it based on blood and biomarkers and genes ideally and then also what kind of supplementation program should this person be on to fill in some of the gaps that the diet might not be filling now once once you've got that data you can then sit down and say okay well here here's what the diet should look like here's what the supplementation the replenishment program should look like and then most folks need some type of a, a hardcore reboot and a lot of times that's due to adrenal fatigue. Sometimes it's due to muscle damage. Sometimes it's due to joint degradation. Sometimes it's due to micronutrient deficiencies. But what I mean by reboot is typically I'll spend about two and up to eight weeks or so having that person do uh, typically some kind of a special diet, like a more more of a cleansing based diet where you know, there's, there's a lot of vegetables. I kind of cut back on meat. I cut back on coffee. I cut back on alcohol. I even cut back on, on protein a little bit just to allow their body to, to bounce back. And, uh, and, and that often includes like overnight intermittent fast, sometimes a weekly 24 hour dinner time to dinner time fast. You just basically have the body in cleanup mode because although a lot of people want to jump straight into the hard and heavy training, if you lay down the hard and heavy training on a shaky foundation, you wind up just getting injuries and illness down the road inevitably you know, a lot more significantly than you would had you not done some kind of a reboot. So you do the testing and then, you know, the type of diet that I'm talking about would be like uh, a couple examples would be like a paleo autoimmune diet. That's a that's a really good example of a super clean diet that's free of, you know, seeds and nuts and soy and nightshades and some of the stuff that the body needs when it's time to clean up. There's another one called the Colorado cleanse diet, which I really like. Uh, it's, it's made by a guy named Dr. John Duyard out of Boulder, Colorado. He's been on the podcast before. That's like a two week cleanup protocol that I really like because it doesn't involve a lot of spendy supplements and stuff. It's just, it's, it's more of like a natural Ayurvedic based cleanse. Uh, you know, sometimes some type of a juice fast. Sometimes uh, there's, if somebody has severe gut issues, I'll even put them on what's called an elemental diet where it's this uh, super duper clean uh, use of, you know, something like you mentioned thorn, like the thorn SGS powder as breakfast, lunch, and dinner, sometimes for up to two weeks as a way to just allow the body to clean up. Now, this is paired with restorative exercise. So typically in a scenario like this, I've got somebody doing like body weight workouts, you know, every day down to three to four times per week, uh, some amount of light cardio like swimming or elliptical or rowing or cycling, some type of sauna practice, some type of cold practice, some type of yoga practice, some type of breath work practice, and then a ton of mobility work like foam rollers, lacrosse balls, etc. And there's not a lot of heavy lifting. There's not a lot of high intensity interval training. There's not a lot of deep, long rucking or, or really, really long cardio work. It's just a lot of restorative stuff to allow the body to bounce back. And then once somebody's tested, once somebody's gone through a little bit of a cleanup diet, once somebody's done a lot of more of the restorative component of the movement protocol, then after, again, anywhere from two to eight weeks, I'll shift them slowly into 
a more comprehensive diet that's appropriate to their genetics and their blood and their biomarkers, whether that's a, like a Mediterranean diet or a paleo diet or a carnivore diet or, or a keto diet or whatever it is that their physiology is indicating that they need. And then in conjunction with that, I'll begin to move them into more heavy lifting, more high intensity interval training, uh, you know, more, you know, for example, on the weekends, longer cardio workouts, but I never start with that stuff. I start with the testing, with the cleanup, with the restorative exercise. And then when somebody's ready and a lot of times I'll gauge whether they're ready based on not only how they're looking, how they're feeling, how they're performing, but also based on what I mentioned earlier, those HRV metrics, you know, the sign of the nervous system readiness, because that reflects so many different components of health. And once they've consistently got high HRV, once they're consistently feeling good, once they feel like they've got everything kind of set up and they're on cruise control, that's when I'll start making stuff a little bit more tough, introducing a little bit more dietary variety and introducing a little bit more, uh, more, more advanced exercise components. Wow. So when you talk about the cleanup phase, when you're actually getting people detoxified and getting their bodies back to homeostasis, what should they feel like at that point? Because I think a lot of the misconception is people go into these hardcore cleansing things and they quit quickly. It's just it, it's it, I've done it before. My wife is really big into this stuff and she's the one who got me on this path. And we did our first one. I was like by day three, when I couldn't eat anything that I was seeing, I was like, I'm losing my mind. When you get through something like that, though, what should you truly feel like? So you, you should pay attention to a few parameters. Sleep architecture should be really good, right? Like so if you're using an Aura or a Whoop or some other type of sleep tracking system, you should be getting consistently high sleep scores. HRV, like I mentioned, should be consistently high. And HRV is a little bit subjective based on the individual, but you should, you should see a trend of HRV going up, 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 and sometimes plateauing over a certain period of time, preferably as the resting heart rate decreases. Sometimes when HRV increases and resting heart rate increases, that can be a sign of overtraining, which a lot of times on a reboot protocol isn't going to be an issue. That rarely occurs. But typically, you're looking for a drop in resting heart rate paired with an increase in HRV. Improvement in sleep architecture, like I mentioned, um, improvement in bowel habits. You know, typically you start pooping one to two times a day and the poops are clean and they feel good and you feel empty when you finish and there's a, a relative absence of, of gas and bloating. Uh, not a lot of brain fog during the day, like a lot more clear thinking, uh, a lot better cognitive and executive performance, you know, verbal fluency, word recall, et cetera, indicating that, you know, the gut brain axis is working properly and the brain is beginning to get tuned and a little bit, a little bit detoxified. Um, and then, uh, you know, from a performance standpoint, almost like a, like a high drive to move, like, like no resistance to actually wanting to go hit the sauna, go do the cold thermogenesis, you know, get in the yoga or the foam rolling or the massage or the body weight protocols, almost just like this, this mental drive that begins to blossom as somebody begins to clean everything up. Uh, so, so those are some of the main things, you know, would be the, the, the sleep, the nervous system readiness, the, the bowel habits, the overall drive to, to exercise, and then a lot of the, the brain performance getting a lot more clean. So let's move into that because you just mentioned the heat to cold. So I know nothing about, we just bought ourselves an infrared sauna. We got it at the house, just starting to get into it and use it. Um, and an ice bath, we've got one coming on the way. So what would you, what do you do for that? Or how, how do you supplement those or use them in conjunction with each other to truly get what you need out of them? Yeah, there's a few different protocols, a few different ways to tackle it. Um, one would be hot, cold contrast, meaning going back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. I, that's a little bit more of a pain in the ass versus, say, just doing the sauna for an extended period of time, like 20 to 45 minutes, and then finishing with one bout of cold. It can be a little bit more time consuming. There's a lot more, you know, dry off, go this way, go that way. 
But what I recommend to folks typically is once a week, there's some type of more intense hot cold contrast where you might go three minutes or, or I'm sorry, you start with the, with the heat typically, but you might go like 15 minutes in the sauna. So you got a good sweat going and then you do a three minute cold plunge and you do like three rounds of that. Or if you're doing like water based hot, cold contrast, like you got a hot tub next to a cold pool, it's five minutes, hot tub, five minutes, cold, four, four, three, three, two, two, one, one, like that kind of back and forth and back and forth. But you don't have to do that every day. That would be like once a week for that gold standard hot, cold contrast typical day. And this would be like anywhere from three to five days of the week. And this is very similar to my practice is typically a long sauna sit again, like 20 to 45 minutes. So you have a good deep sweat going on, whether it's a dry sauna or an infrared sauna. I think those two are best steam saunas. You know, they tend to accumulate mold. Sometimes the water isn't clean in them. So I'm not a huge fan of the steam saunas, but infrared or dry sauna, 20 to 45 minutes. And then what you do is typically finish that up with anywhere from two to 10 minutes of kind of like intense cold or something that really, really cools the body off. And then you finish with cold, you know, forcing the body to again, build stress resilience, build glucose tolerance, burn fat, et cetera, to heat the body back up. So that that's, that's kind of an approximate gold standard protocol in, when it comes to, uh, when it comes to the hot, cold practice. Is this a scenario that goes in the morning, afternoon, evening, or obviously not evening, but, uh, afternoon, morning type. Yeah. I mean, so, so, I'm a fan of doing a lot of that deep restorative stuff like hot, cold contrast, yoga, fasted cardio, uh, et cetera, in the morning because you naturally have a pretty big cortisol surge when you wake up and you don't necessarily have to pile a bunch of hard exercise on top of that cortisol surge. It's, it's kind of like when you're in a fasted state, you wake up before breakfast, you do a lot of the deep restorative stuff if you have the luxury of time to be able to do to pull off this scenario because then in the afternoon or the early evening, that's when your, your body temp peaks, your grip strength peaks, your, your testosterone peaks, your, your reaction time peaks, your, your post-workout protein synthesis peaks. There's a lot of variables that dictate that saving the harder workout for later on in the day, like between say like four to 6 PM is a little bit better. So if you have the luxury of time to do a two a day and you can do that deep restorative, hot, cold contrast type of stuff in the morning and then do the harder stuff in the afternoon, or the early evening, that's an ideal scenario. Now, of course the best time to exercise or the best time to move or do a protocol is the time that you're actually going to do it. So if that means you have to shove everything in the morning, then fine. Or if that means that you just know that based on decision-making fatigue and willpower, you're not going to do the hard workout later on in the day and you just got to get it done first thing in the day fine do it and then do the sauna in the cold later on like you know before dinner for example which which can kind of help sleep sometimes depending on, on who you are um but ideally you've got hot cold contrast in the morning and then the harder exercise session later on in the day with the one caveat to that being for me personally i'm a twice a day cold guy meaning i go super cold in the morning at some point before breakfast and then at some point following my afternoon to early evening exercise session i go super cold again just to decrease the core temperature and that that also really helps with sleep later on just because it, it drops the core temperature. So that, that's kind of what the gold standard scenario would look like. One of the biggest things that, you know, our troops, our first responders is they have that always on alert. They have to be on alert at all times. So they are just completely at, you know, ready 10 and they don't know how to come off it. I don't know how to come off of it, you know, and I've even worsened my state of that uh, because of doing extreme sports, jumping off of cliffs and base jumping and wingsuiting and skydiving and all that that, you know, it just blows you through the roof where you get this major adrenal fatigue. So sleep has become a, a horrible scenario for 
soldiers and first responders and and obviously the reasons why first responders anytime that bell rings they're waking up middle of the night out of their bed sometimes they get three four calls a night so they're continually trying to drop into sleep not getting it to achieve realm and then they're waking up again to go do it hyper vigilant going to that x you know hitting that target same thing with the troops or the soldiers special operators they get that high adrenal fatigue they are just always at you're ready 10 and then they don't know how to come off of it so now we've reversed our cycle where we're always up and alert at night and then we want to sleep during the day but we have to work during the day so we end up destroying our sleep and you know guys will go months if not years without getting any good sleep how do we reboot that system because that's a huge component to what we're talking about yeah yeah and and you know it's it's something that that pops up over and over again you know you, you get the ideal sleep hygiene dialed in like the cold and the darkness and the silence but you still have crappy sleep just because you've spent so long either in a state of adrenal fatigue or lying in bed awake unless your body and your brain is kind of conditioned for the bedroom and the sleep environment to be kind of like a painful struggle and an uphill battle. I think that uh, th this is a scenario in which certain choice compounds or, or supplements can really, really help to reboot the circadian rhythm along with so-called zeitgebers. Zeitgebers are time cues, meaning things that help you to restore the body's natural circadian rhythm. So uh, for the former, typically if somebody's having a lot of sleep issues, I'll start them off with what I call a melatonin sledgehammer protocol, where we'll do a ton of melatonin, sometimes for three days, sometimes for seven days. I've even done this for up to a month with some people, but up until the point where they're sleeping through the night and you almost use melatonin to train the sleep system, but it's a lot. Like, you know, I, I use a company called uh, Mitozen out of uh, Sarasota, Florida, because they do like high dose melatonin and I'll go a hundred to 300 milligrams. Again, sometimes we're up to a month. Uh, I think the best delivery mechanism is a suppository because it kind of slowly gets into the system during the night. And then you pair that with some kind of anxiolytic. Um, I, I used to really recommend CBD for this, which, which can work pretty well. Uh, typically CBD, though, even that's a higher dosage than a lot of people think. That's also usually 100 to 300 milligrams. And then the, uh, the sleep product that I developed for Keon, Keon Sleep, works really, really well in this scenario, too, as an anxiolytic because it's got theanine and, and uh, GABA and 5-HTP in it, which all help to support natural sleep. So those are like the top three things is, is the Keon Sleep, the CBD, and the melatonin. And you're just stacking that and stacking it and stacking it until you start to sleep through the night and your brain begins to get used to just staying in bed during the night asleep. Now, the other component, these zeitgebers, what I mean by that is some type of timed exercise session in the morning and preferably not super duper 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 early if you if you struggle with staying in bed long enough and get up super early if you do start to wake up at say you know i think for a lot of people the struggle is around 3 or 4 a.m if they're poor sleepers well instead of getting up and exercising get up and do like your reading your meditation spiritual time easy stuff keep the room dark wear blue light blocking glasses basically don't send your message that those wee hours of the morning are the time to get up and crush the day and then and when the time arrives in the morning when you do want to kind of shift the circadian rhythm, that's when you start, you know, work out, you take off the blue light blocking glasses, you put on the lights in the house and you start to send your body a message that that's daytime. And these zeitgebers that I referred to, one is light, right? So you blast yourself with as much natural light as possible, preferably before noon and preferably be a sunlight if you can get it. And if you can't get sunlight like these, you know, blue light blocks, boxes that they make for seasonal affective disorder can work really well as one example. They also make lights like, uh, like glasses that have lights in them and 
earpieces that have light in them. There's one called the Retimer. There's one called the Human Charger. And I'll use those a lot when I travel and I need to blast myself with light, but I might not have access to a lot of natural sunlight. The other two Zeitgeibers that are really, really good in addition to light are uh, exercise. So some type of, of timed exercise session at about the time in the morning when you want to start getting up. And again, that can be the easy restorative stuff. doesn't have to be a hardcore CrossFit workout or something like that. It can, again, be like sauna, cold, yoga, restorative exercise, et cetera. And then the final Zeitgeiber is food. Like if you're having trouble with sleep, don't wait until like 10 or 11 a.m. to eat. Don't do like the compressed feeding window thing, at least not until you're starting to get a good night of sleep. So what that means is you might get up, wait, 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 wait until it's time when you actually want to start waking up, blast yourself with light, get in an exercise session, and then go have a meal. But ensure that, especially from from the circadian rhythmicity standpoint, that first meal of the day is pretty rich in protein, like 30 to 40 grams of protein. That also helps to really reset the circadian rhythm. So yeah, you do the melatonin sledgehammer, slightly higher dose CBD, something like Keon Sleep or some other anxiolytic at night, paired with a lot of the sleep hygiene, right? Like cold room, dark room, no business in bed, no screens in bed, et cetera, wake up. And then when the time arrives, when you want to start sending your body a message that it's wakey, wakey time, that's when you pull in sleep, you pull in exercise and you pull in a protein rich meal following those two. And that's, you know, if you do that for like a month, then I mean, a lot of times that's all it takes to sleep well for the rest of your life. Wow. There's so much information. That's fantastic. That's, I mean, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to send this podcast out to all my teammates because they need to hear this information because we just don't have a starting point. That's the biggest problem here. You know, it takes, it takes so long to get into the special operations community. It is such a gut-wrenching deal to get into it. It's so easy and so quick to get out of it. And then you're you're on your own as a civilian, not part of the brotherhood anymore. And you're even though you are still part of the team, brotherhood, you're not on a team and you're not doing the daily job, but you're still left with all the effects, right? So is there a system in your body that you think is under misdiagnosed or under taken care of that something that we can focus on because we don't know anything about anatomy they don't teach any of that stuff so what are some of the systems that we really if we were to start out day one as an operator in the military first responder or person who's trying to get ready to kick off their life as an athlete or just in health what systems should we focus on and how should we take care of them you know i i talk about this a little bit in in um in my books beyond training and in boundless, but I like to chunk the body into specific categories. And so what I would focus on is from a, from a physiology standpoint, this is like physiology 101 for people who want to want a quick education in, in muscle physiology and exercise physiology. So you want to pay attention to your mitochondria, which I mentioned earlier, best way to train the mitochondria in addition to a lot of the electrical components I talked about earlier, like grounding, earthing, water, minerals, heat, cold, uh, perfectly very healthy diet also, uh, would be to do at some point during the week, about four to six hard 30 second efforts followed by long luxurious rest periods, like, you know, four to six minutes in duration. So like a four to one to a maximum of three to one work to rest ratio. So you're hitting the mitochondria. The second component would be lactic acid, like training your body how to deal with the burn. And for that, typically it's something like, uh, say, a, a classic Tabata set, right? Like three times a week doing a four minute, 20 seconds hard, 10 seconds easy on an airdyne or a rower or an elliptical trainer. So you're checking that box for lactic acid tolerance. Third box to check would be VO2, like your maximum oxygen utilization. That's usually the toughest session that you do. Typically, you only need to do that once every one to two weeks. But the gold standard VO2 max session is four to six minutes at maximum sustainable pace, 
four to six minutes of recovery in between each of those efforts, like active recovery. You could easily do this on like an Airdyne bike or whatever. And then uh, you do that four to six times through. So VO2 max is four to six minutes, four to six recovery, four to six minute recoveries, four to six times through. Uh, muscle strength. Typically for that, I'm a huge fan of like super slow controlled lifting. Not that like power lifting and CrossFit and heavy weight lifting that's at a faster pace is bad, but I find for people who want to be in it for the long haul, like my workout this morning was one set of chest press, pull down, row, squat, deadlift, and overhead press. But each set took me two and a half to three minutes, like single set to failure, super slow, super controlled. I think it's one of the best and safest ways to get strong, stay strong in the long game without injuries. And then what you stack on top of that, you know, if you're doing like a super slow workout to maximum three times a week would be a couple of more explosive body weight or kettlebell style workouts. Again, they can just be like full body, like swings to push ups or, you know, or, or Turkish get ups with, you know, with some rows and some overhead presses, but all super light body weight or kettlebell work as a couple of the other like functional explosive sessions. So from a muscle standpoint, you got like the super slow work and the explosive work. And then the last two components would be every single day, some form of mobility like foam roller, lacrosse ball. For me, it's 10 to 15 minutes as soon as I get up in the morning. So by the end of the week, I'm, I've, I've accumulated like 75 minutes of deep tissue work. And then finally, at least one longer fasted fat loss session, like a long hike, long ruck, long swim, long bike ride. For a lot of people, this is the weekend, but it's going out for one and a half to three hours, preferably with very little fuel. So you're training your body how to burn fat efficiently. And if you step back and look at things big picture, if you're training mitochondrial density, you're training lactic acid tolerance, you're training VO2 max, you're training some of the slow grinding strength, you're training some of the explosive lighter strength, working on the mobility and the soft tissue compliance. And then finally, the uh, the longer fasted fat burning type of cardio, like you're hitting every single physiological variable that you need to hit across the course of, of a week or two. And, you know, that that's the way that I typically will structure someone's exercise program. You know, obviously there's those little tweaks here and there. If somebody's a triathlete or a marathoner versus a football player or a soccer athlete, you know, I'll, I'll tweak things accordingly. But those are generally the biggest body systems to pay attention to from a physiology standpoint. We could talk all day too. I know, but by the way, we've, we've probably got like another, you know, five, 10 minutes or so. So I want to, I want to, of course, answer any other last hanging threads that you have, but then, uh, of, of course, uh, I, I'm, I'm sure we'll be talking more after this, too. So to so go ahead. Yeah. So, I mean, I think my, my biggest question, I think closing that scenario up would be if you implement the things we just discussed that you just mentioned, you really rehabilitate yourself once you're out of the military um, or you can start doing it while you're in or starting even day one. But you do these things. You make them a practice. I mean, are you truly going to rebalance yourself? Is your mental hygiene going to become a better functioning system because of the effort that you're putting into your physicality or physiology. Can, can you repeat that one more time? Is, is your mental health going to improve? Is that, what you, is that what you said? Yes. Is your mental health going to improve because of the work that you're putting into your anatomy, your physiology? Well, I mean, that's kind of like the classic, you know, it's not the, it's not the destination. It's the journey. You know, any of this stuff is going to be character building and, and improve, you know, focus and stick to and and character, et cetera. But I think that getting down into the nitty gritty science of it? The answer is yeah. Cause when you're exercising like this, you're increasing brain derived neurotrophic factor, which is like miracle growth for the brain. You're increasing vascular endothelial growth factor, which increases a bunch of blood flow to the brain. You are kind of similar to meditation, training the brain to 
go for longer periods of time without multitasking, without distractions, you know, especially if you're not jumping around like a Muppet in the gym the whole time, but staying really dedicated, like it takes focus to do a, you know, a chest press protocol where you're doing a two and a half, three minute set to failure, for example, uh, or a long ruck in a fasted state. And so, you know, there, there's a great book called Spark by Jonathan Rady, kind of an old, you know, classic book on exercise literature related to, to brain performance and mental performance when one is physically active. When you pair that with the idea that that gut brain axis I mentioned earlier is dependent upon, you know, absence of leaky gut, parasites, yeast, fungus, a healthy nutrition protocol. If you're moving and then healing the gut, doing a little bit of that reboot type of protocol I talked about earlier, and then moving into a healthy eating scenario. Yeah. I mean, there, there, there's no doubt that the brain is going to directly benefit from that. If you have a history of TBI concussion, yeah, there's other stuff you got to do, you know, like high dose fish oil, infrared light therapy for the head, hyperbaric oxygen therapy, uh, sometimes, you know, a, a, a low dose like psilocybin with lion's mane for neuroplasticity and neurogenesis. Um, you know, the use of liquid ketones or coconut oils. There's, there's books like The End of Alzheimer's by Dale Bredesen or Breaking Alzheimer's by Dwayne Goodenow, which really, I think, are, are two manuals that can really, really help with kind of knowing all of the different variables that go into healing TBI concussion or that go into um, kind of remapping and rewiring the brain. I have tons of podcasts on that kind of stuff as well. You know, that, gosh, I've probably done like a dozen different podcasts on concussion, on TBI and proper management of it. I've interviewed guys like Dr. Dan Engel, the author of the Concussion Repair Manual, which is fantastic. I've interviewed Dr. Andrew Hill, who specializes in neurofeedback to repair the brain. But yeah, I mean, exercise and eating healthy is going to move the dial a ton. And then if there's a pretty significant history of, of head dom damage or, or brain trauma, then you start to pull out some of these other stops that, that get a little bit more specific to the individual. Well, that's, you know, that's the biggest component for me when it comes to the mental health side of this stuff. So, you know, we've been, we've been very blessed. We just partnered, we just partnered with the Center for Brain Health uh, in Dallas, Texas. So we're going to be doing this thing called Extreme Brain, which is testing our athletes or test subjects before and after this excursion around the world to see what changes happen, because this is obviously a lot that's going on, a lot to the anatomy, a lot to the mental side, the spiritual, emotional. This is covering all bases. So we're going to check this out to see what happens and what information we can gather from it. So I appreciate you telling me all this stuff. This is something that operators, soldiers, airmen, Marines, we get into the intricacies and the, and the hacking and all this other stuff. None of that ever matters until you get to the baseline, right? So this is very important to me. And I really appreciate your time for all this stuff. Um, I forgot to mention this one cool thing about this whole project is, you know, you can actually win this trip to go with us. Oh, really? How's that work? All you have to do is go to AmericanExtreme.com. That's our website. And you just click on the chosen and you can buy a ticket, enters you into a raffle. And we're going to this automated system is going to pick one lucky winner to go with us on the trip of a lifetime. I love it. And, and, and what I'll, what I'll do, Ryan, is I'll, I'll link to all that at bengreenfieldlife.com slash human performance project. And then I know that, uh, there, there's gosh, plenty more that we could talk about. And I actually want to continue the conversation about, you know, maybe a scenario where I can, I can join in with you guys and, uh, and make it a little bit of an adventure. But in the meantime, I just, I really wanted to make my audience aware of the project, toss a few ideas out to you in terms of where you guys could start in terms of your physical training your nutrition. Obviously there's some stuff that goes into that seven day journey that kind of goes outside the realm of the average diet and gets into, you know, the type of stuff that you take with you on the road for, for a seven day journey like that, you know, liquid ketones and amino acids, you know, the, the, the kind of stuff that keeps you going when, when you don't have access to, to real whole food during a, 
during a training scenario or a competition scenario like that. So we can talk about a lot of that stuff in the future. But in the meantime, I'm really hoping that folks got a little bit out of this and also that maybe a few of my listeners decide to, to join in and either support you guys or actually be with you and, and maybe even win that uh, that spot on the plane. So I'm going to link to everything again at bengreenfieldlife.com slash human performance project. And um, Ryan, I just want to thank you for reaching out to me and for, uh, for your heart in terms of how many people you want to help for sons of the flag for everything that you're doing. And I'm just happy to be able to help in any way I can. Truly grateful. You are one of the good ones, man. And I'm very lucky to learn from you. It's an honor. Awesome. Definitely want to have you a part of the team (laughs) and we'll be, uh, we'll be introducing you to the core team of the SMEs for further advice. All right, folks. Well, I'm Ben Greenfield along with Ryan, the Birdman parrot signing out from bengreenfieldlife.com. Have an amazing week. More than ever these days, people like you and me need a fresh, entertaining, well-informed, and often outside-the-box approach to discovering the health and happiness and hope that we all crave. So I hope I've been able to do that for you on this episode today. And if you liked it, or if you love what I'm up to, then please leave me a review on your preferred podcast listening channel, wherever that might be, and just find the Ben Greenfield Life episode. Say something nice. Thanks so much. It means a lot.